Welcome to Present Company, the Netflix podcast that brings you dynamic conversations with exceptional people behind your favorite series, films, documentaries, and specials. I'm your host, Krista Smith. For years, I was Vanity Fair's ambassador to Hollywood, interviewing countless actors as well as creatives and authorities across the spectrum. My passion is talent, any form of it. How do you know you have it? How do you cultivate it? How do you protect it? And also, I want to get to the heart of what drives it. On this podcast, I'll be talking to people in Hollywood and far beyond. Thank you for joining me. Well, Kissing Booth fans, do I have a gift for you. The one and only Joey King is in the house, calling into the show from Bulgaria, no less, where she's on the set of her new film. I have no words for how impressive this young woman is, her poise, her thoughtfulness, her vulnerability. She's already had such an extraordinary career to date. She's been nominated for an Emmy, a SAG, and a Golden Globe. And not to mention, she has the global franchise smash hit, The Kissing Booth. We're going to talk about all of it. So here she is, Joey King. Joey King, welcome to Present Company. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, from what I gather, you're in Bulgaria. What are we doing in Bulgaria? Um, I'm in, yes, I'm in Bulgaria. I'm in Sofia, Bulgaria. I am filming a movie here called The Princess, which I'm very, very excited about. Well, that's very exciting. And do you play the princess? Oh, wow. You are good. I do play <laughs> the princess. <laughs> Uh, yes, I do. It's this, um, it's an action movie, which is so exciting. Um, the best way to describe this movie truly is um, Rapunzel meets The Raid Redemption. I've never done anything like this before. This is like the craziest, most rigorous like training schedule, all that stuff I've ever had. Um, it's like it's kind of crazy because I've been doing this for like a, a what I consider like a decently long time. And this is like, I feel so like out of my element in a good way. Like I'm really pushing myself beyond like what I've ever done. And that's really cool for me. That's awesome. Well, I know that everybody is waiting for the third installment of the kissing booth, uh, which is right upon us. Uh, but I kind of want to take you back to the beginning of this whole phenomenon and this this series, because it was really, a, a, I don't want to say a lark, but no one quite knew what to expect. And when this hit the Netflix platform, it literally exploded. I think it was, I mean, how many people, millions of people watched it three times, multiple times. It, it just... I think one changed the game for you, obviously, because there's something we always talk about at Netflix, which is the Netflix effect is you're <laughs> everywhere all over the world. There's fame and then there's Netflix fame. Uh, but can you kind of talk to me about what that experience was like for you when, you know, you're filming this little movie and then all of a sudden it comes out and your life is forever changed? It's truly like the most perfect way to put it, honestly. Like, that's what it felt like. We were filming this little movie that, you know, we weren't getting a lot of money, like, to film the movie in general. We weren't getting a lot of attention from, you know, like, Netflix in general. They're like, oh, yeah, cute script. Go make it. Like, whatever. And we were, like, thrilled. You know, the, the feeling while filming that movie was we all knew we were making something very special. We just didn't know if anyone would see it. And we were okay with that because we were having so much fun. So... When the trailer dropped for movie one, I remember 
that I don't remember what the number was, but all of a sudden, like it dropped and then a couple hours later and then the next morning there was like millions and millions of views. And I was like, oh my God, people are excited about this. What the heck? I was like so excited. Um, And that's when I noticed the first like inkling that this might be a big deal or it might be some kind of deal. Um, But good God, I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea what was going, what was going to come. Um, But we're so lucky that we had that feeling that we were making something special right from the beginning. And then it did resonate with people in the way that it resonated with, with most of us. But it is kind of incredible. The cast is tremendous. The The chemistry of the cast is great. And all these young actors uh, popped off of it and it elevated you, I, I feel like, into a different kind of stratosphere. Like we had known about you, obviously, um, but this is like Joey King has arrived. So it's kind of crazy. You feel like you've arrived? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I do. I feel like, though, what's crazy to me is that um, it feels like the masses, I guess, were like, oh, Joey King has arrived, like what you what you just described, or like, who is that? Or like, you know, oh, she's something. But it, it was so funny to me because my, and I'm very grateful for this, I didn't have an overnight success that all of a sudden I was, you know, just not really anyone and then super famous all of a sudden, which I'm like grateful for. I had a very slow burn. Um, I've been acting since I was four years old and very lucky to have been steadily working from the time I was nine, really, um, on amazing movies and like amazing TV shows and projects where I wasn't the lead. I was like the kid in the movie or like a cool background character or like even like in White House Down, like one of the, you know, a bigger character, but I was still, you know, younger. I wasn't one of the adults in the film gaining all that attention from it. Um, So I had my hand, I've always had my hand in the industry in a way where I feel like there's always been a certain amount of attention on me to where when it came like that, it wasn't so um, scary. You know, I feel like I had been like, oh, like, this is a lot. But I'm really grateful that I've had all the years of experience that I've had before this to be able to feel like I can handle this now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very good point. I'd love for you to speak about why you think it the, the, the chemistry and why people are so desperate for these characters and want to see what's happened. And they, they greenlit the third one before they even did the second one. They already knew we were going to be all in. This is going to be three, you know, we're going to oh, do yeah. three of these. Can you talk a little bit about like just maybe what fans have told you or, or why you think people are so passionate about these characters? Well, I have to say we were, you know, how you're talking about the Netflix effect and how like, you know, it just is like this crazy thing. We're lucky because we were, one of the, if not the first original YA film that they put on their platform. So we kind of like were there in the space before it became what it is now. And I think we kind of filled this craving that people were having while watching Netflix of like, we just want to watch something like fun that reminds us of our like childhood that reminds us of the Molly Ringwald films we love and know and that's why I think it resonated so much because all ages were kind of craving something like this. The younger kids were like, we want something that makes us feel good and that, you know, we can just watch and be happy and have fun with. And then people who were a little bit older or even a lot of bit older were like, this sounds fun too. Like we used to love these movies. We want more of that now too. And that along with the fact that, you know, I mean, for example, like Joel Courtney is one of my best friends in real life. And we became best friends while filming that movie. 
I feel like people could see that. People could really see that a lot of us all really cared about each other. And it wasn't just characters to all of us. We were like having a blast. And so when we made two and three, like you said, they greenlit three, we shot them at the same time. It just felt like we were like getting like back together with all of our old friends. It was, I mean, and a lot of the cast is South African. So it was like a huge reunion that we got to hang out with them. It was just, uh, it was really special knowing that, that the world thought it was as special as, as I did. I really love these movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Listen, I I watched them and and love them as well. So thank you. <laughs> I had that same uh, that feeling is it's a very easy to watch and parts of it are relatable and the very idea of it is so clever. The kissing booth it's just like a such a clever uh, element. You know how it all ties together and it all flows into this one element. This one stunt uh, is is kind of genius in that way. I mean, one of the things it's just like my last line in the movie. It's like, and all this happened because of the kissing. <laughs> exactly, all that happened. Uh, it's it's you kind of touch on it. I mean, basically, you've said you've been working since you were four years old. So clearly, you didn't have any, uh, and you've been working a lot. Uh, you're very much in, in demand. So you didn't have this kind of traditional coming of age school where you're back to school with your friends and, uh, you know, back to you know, time to see everybody again after they've had their summer. So I kind of love the way you describe that. You actually got that on this film a little bit, right? You guys got to reunite and you've made lifelong friends like a lot of people do when they're in school. Absolutely. I've, my, my joke is like, I've technically been in high school longer than any high schooler has been in high school, (laughs) even though I never went to high school. I mean, I made these three movies that took, you know, very long time to make. And I've also played other high schoolers before. So May not have gone to real high school, but I definitely got that experience. <laughs> um, all right. I have to ask you the bucket list sequence. Okay. So one, how fun was that to shoot? And what was like the scariest thing and the most, and the thing you most enjoyed of all those things you guys had to shoot for the bucket list? I do love this question. This is such a good question because that montage was just so fun. <laughs> so ridiculous. I, like hanging out with Joel, like is always just, Every time we were on the schedule, just a scene with the two of us, I was like, yes. <laughs> um, I think my, the scariest thing, you know, I'd have to say, so we didn't actually do the cliff jumping ourselves. Thank God. Cause I don't think I can handle that. We did the skydive thing together, but we did that inside of the, um, I fly chamber at universal city walk, which was so funny. Cause we had like a crowd of people watching us do this and film something for the kissing booth three. So that was less scary than it was just a little thrilling and very fun. But I have to say my favorite moment was like, I've never, I don't know if I've, I've ever laughed so hard in my life was when Joel and I were doing um, like this sumo scene together. We put on those those like uh, those big suits that were made of like squishy material and we were like fighting each other. I cannot, my, my like my suit had this uh, little like speedo thing on it and it started falling down and he was trying to help me pick it back up and we were trying to knock each other down. It was, it's easily one of like my favorite memories of all time. So that was, that was probably one of my favorites. I hope that it, that's like there should be there could be a whole other kissing booth just blooper reel I would imagine that could be fill almost 90 minutes absolutely that's Vince Marcello our director he always puts bloopers at the end of each movie which I'm so thankful for because we have so many ridiculous ones on all these movies mm. um, all right so I want to talk to you about choices 
So you've had a really, I mean, your your resume, your IMDb page is kind of staggering when you look at the, the different stuff you've done. Uh, so for you now as an actress, and by the way, congratulations. I know your birthday wasn't too long ago. Um, Thank you. So I will say happy, happy. Thank but you. like, what are you looking for now for yourself in terms of how you're choosing your roles? And obviously you told us a little bit about the princess, so we know that you're getting into some action. But I'd like for you to kind of talk to me about your thought process of like what you want your career to kind of look like maybe let's say for the next decade. Yeah. I mean, as far as setting long-term goals, I don't really know. Like I have no idea what I'm doing because I, I really now I'm so fortunate that I've reached a certain level of success that I feel like I can be more picky in what I want to do. So I've been very much focused on like, okay, what do I want to do next? okay, now what do I want to do next? Not like, what do I want to, where do I want to see myself in like five, 10 years? Because I, I get nervous when I set myself goals like that. I get nervous that I'm never going to actually be happy. You know, like if I set a goal that that's far away, like if I reach that goal, then will I just be thinking about the next one? Or if I don't reach that goal, will I just be miserable all the time? I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I want to be able to say, you know, see these things that come across my emails and read it and say, not for me right now, or maybe later, or yeah, that looks like something I want to do right now. I was so lucky with the act because I had just come off of something like the kissing booth. And, you know, I was really excited about doing something that no one would expect to see me in and that I wouldn't even expect to see me in, which was the act. Um, and then it resonated really well and that was very encouraging. And so I guess my, my whole staple of just making these choices is I just want to do stuff that's different than what I've done before. I want to keep surprising myself and I want to keep surprising people. Like I want to be able to jump from something like the act, then back to kissing the two and three, then back to something, something like princess, you know, like there's not a, I don't want to stay in any kind of box. I just want to be able to say like okay, that's what I want to do now. And then be able to just go do it, which is why I'm so happy. I have this first look deal with Netflix now because I've been able to get into producing and I've been able to have a lot more of a say of what I want to be doing and what I want to put my name on and act in, or even just produce. And, um, I feel like I have a lot more freedom in that way. I I should tell, um, our listeners, if they aren't aware of uh, the the performance that Joey's referring to, right? The act was on Hulu uh, for which you got um, a slew of nominations for it was you and Patricia <laughs> Arquette. You were the victim. It's based on a real life story and you were the victim of a uh, Munchausen by proxy. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was an incredible performance. And I think we really saw, I saw for me, I could speak personally since it's just me here talking to you, what you're capable of, like the depth of the talent. It was the first kind of grown up part where we got to see all the incredible potential and stuff that Joey has inside her as an artist. And that was super thrilling. So so um, I will say belated congratulations on all of that. Um, And also what's so interesting too, is I want to talk about is like the, the pitfalls of child actors at this point are almost a cliche. And I'm happy to say that I feel like I'm seeing less and less of that even though social media is, is, can be horrible and all the all the responsibility and the pressure put on these young young talent, I think I look at Zendaya and she's done an amazing job. I look at you and you've done an amazing job. How do you 
feel like have you consciously made a decision or are the people around you how have you stayed so grounded um that's a like a lovely question and thank you for saying that but personally I guess because I have a really, really lovely group of people around me, it never felt like a conscious choice or even like a decision to stay grounded. It was just kind of like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even like have labeled myself as that because I was just like living my life normally because my family was so good at making sure I stayed grounded and had a normal life and was able to have fun and was able to have like, just like, you know, a normal feel to my life. It never felt like I was never forced to do anything. I was never like being like, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think of examples of like terrible things, but like, I don't know. I was never being made to feel like I couldn't be myself or I had to be a certain way or I had to get a job. Otherwise I would, you know, my family would be so disappointed in me. It was like, everything was a celebration. You know, my mom would always give me a lovely pep talk when I was younger, before I would go in for auditions and I, cause I would get nervous and I'd be scared. And she would look at me and she'd be like, Hey, like, what's the worst that happens? You don't get it. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, and what will happen if you don't get it? Like you're, 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 you're still alive. Like there's nothing wrong with that. And so having that mentality around me being raised with the idea that like, this was a fun thing that I was doing. It's not, it's not supposed to feel scary or there's not so much pressure on you. I think that's probably the main reason why I feel like I've maintained a lot of normalcy is because it's always felt like something I wanted to do. And it is something that I've always wanted to do. And that feeling has continued to stay with me from the time I was four to now because I was able to have such a huge role in making my own decisions, even as a kid, on what I wanted to do. Well, I want to ask you about that because most kids at four aren't, you know, they don't know what their life's purpose is. It's more like I want ice cream or I want to. I didn't uh, either. Yeah. But what what was it that that was the trigger that made you think, oh, I want to be an actress a- enough so that you talked your parents into actually allowing you to do that and, and participating in taking you to auditions and whatnot. Well, it actually, I started with my, my oldest sister, Kelly. She had this like big head of gorgeous curly black hair when she was younger and just this angelic cherub like face. People would stop my mom in the street and be like, you gotta get that kid into showbiz. And so um, my mom was like, I don't know, like maybe like for a college fund, like, I don't know. Um, And so it kind of started as something with her that was like, I want my kids to be able to be independent and, you know, be able to have their own financial system when they're older. I think that's a really great thing to want for your kids. So um, my sister Kelly and then my sister Hunter and then I came along and I was like, I want to act with them too. But it was more like, I want to hang out with my older sisters. I want to go to And what we would do, we'd go to like theater classes together. That was my form of acting as like a four-year-old. And so that's where it all started. My mom was like, oh man, you you do? Because I was so much younger than my sisters. She's like, you want to do that too now? I was like, yeah. She's like, another one? Okay. So it started out as like a hobby to bond with my sisters. And then it like, I clearly just liked being the center of attention. So um, it progressed then like commercials and then TV spots. But the first time I really like knew that this is like, I first kind of grasped what kind of responsibility this was and how much I loved it was on Ramona and Beezus. It was like the first time I was thinking to myself, wow, I'm having so much fun. And I think I kind of get how big of a deal this is that I'm the lead of a movie, kind of. 
And so being able to kind of compute that responsibility, but still love it that much, that feeling from that moment to now has stayed consistent. And Selena Gomez was in that movie too, right? right, Another giant, obviously she was a giant at that point too, I think then. She was. Right, too. She was on her way. Um, What was the first time that you felt, I'm an actress? Oh, man. Uh, Well, the first time I felt like I'm an actress was just putting on, like, we had a dress-up drawer at my house that I grew up in, and I would throw on, like, an old man mask and, like, you know, just, like, some random sparkly skirt with, like, a shirt that didn't match, and I would make up little shows for my family at at dinner time, And I felt like I was truly the most talented performer that my family had ever seen. (laughs) Like, I was like, this is, everyone's looking at me and they should be because look at my old man mask. And so um, I think I was just always a little bit of a ham. And as I became a little bit more successful and was on set, I never had like this moment where I was like, oh, wow, like I'm doing what I was born to do. I was just like, yeah, all right, cool. This is, uh, this feels good. This feels right. (laughs) That's interesting. And now, but something after doing like the kissing booth and the act kind of back to back, do you feel now like you kind of know what you're capable of and where you, where you get that drive from? It's in and out, honestly, the, the older I get, the more experience I have, the more I find myself kind of being like, Oh boy, am I doing a good job? Do I, do I suck? Like, am I ever going to work again? Like, you know, it's kind of interesting. I've been doing this now a while. And when I was younger, of course, I never like had those questions. I was like, yeah, I'm on set and I'm like loving life and I'm making friends. I'm having fun. I'm acting. And now I'm like, oh, like I'm, I'm loving life. I'm making friends. I'm having fun. I'm acting. But do I um, suck? (laughs) Like, Am I Am I, am I like good? Like, I don't even know. Um, But then I have times where I'm like really proud of the work I did that day or like really proud of the scene I just did. So um, it's interesting. You'd think that I would just feel like I've honed in my craft so much now because I put in my 10,000 hours or more, but I, I feel like, you know, it goes in and out. But I also think that's a sign of growth. Like you can't just be like a hundred percent like I'm the shit all the time. And I've, I've never been like that, but you definitely can't be like that and think you're good at what you do. You have to have some ability to say like, okay, that wasn't great. How can I make it better? Or you have to be able to say like, that was really good. Objectively, I can say that was good. So um, I think it's a little bit of a balancing act with my own brain of figuring out, you know, how to be kind to myself, but also how to be realistic. Mm-hmm. What have you learned from working with some of the, I mean, first of all, the filmmakers you've worked with are pretty extraordinary. Um, also, Patricia Arquette, one of America's treasures. Uh, let's just go back to true romance, okay? Uh, and on and on and on and on. What have you learned from from being in their presence or from watching, you know, Christopher Nolan or Sam Raimi or any of these people work and also the, the people you've been acting opposite, whether it's Steve Carell, even when you were 10. Like, what have you observed and learned from those experiences? Well, first of all, I just want to address how much Patricia Arquette is just the queen of everything I love in life. She's amazing. She's not only one of the most incredible actresses I've ever had the pleasure of witnessing. She's also one of the most incredible people I've ever met. I love her. Um, but from working with people like her to all these amazing filmmakers I've had the opportunity to work with, 
it's hard for me to put words to what I've learned from them. It's more like these observations that I find myself utilizing later on in life and then being like, where the hell did I, oh, I think I learned that from these people that I, I love and admire so much. And what I really think I've learned most is the right questions to ask, whether it's a creative question or something that's like a, a safety question or like, you know, for example, Patricia taught me there was a scene that I had where it was like my first time kind of exposing myself, my body on camera. And she was she really took charge of that day for me. And I'm so appreciative because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, it was like a, you know, a courtesy tilt on the camera. And this is what we need in this room. And this is what this person needs to do. And is there a cover over the focus pullers monitor? Like all these questions that I was like, wow, like I never even thought about that for my own safety. Like that's really like just blew my mind that she and she knew all this, not because she just came to her, like she's been through this. She's lived this. She's learned these questions because she had to learn the hard way. And I was so grateful for someone like her that she's willing to like take me under her wing and show me these things so I don't have to learn the hard way. And I think that's been my experience with a lot of the people I've worked with. A lot of the things I've learned are them just showing me without even necessarily telling me they're showing me how not to learn things the hard way. And I feel like I've really absorbed that and taken a lot of that knowledge with me. Do you think that's part of the reason why you want to produce? I mean, obviously, to have your own agency and in terms of your own investment in the projects that you are lending your name to and are acting or not acting in. But do you think that that's part of what drew you to producing? I think that's a very fair thing to assume, because, like, I, I would say it's that. I would say, you know, I feel like I've also had always a lot of thoughts and like opinions and like whether it be like a a casting opinion or whether it be like an opinion on what the next setup should be for the most like time-saving opportunity um and now I feel like I I've always kind of want to express those opinions but it doesn't feel like the right place if you're not a producer it just kind of feels like you're being a little like all right like you got to take a little step back like this is not your set like you got to chill and so I feel like now I'm, I'm able to respectfully give these opinions that I feel um, will either like better my experience, better someone else's experience, or even just teach me something. Because like, here's the thing, because I have opinions, it doesn't mean I know everything whatsoever. I'm clueless, like for sure clueless. I've been in acting such a long time. I still don't, I still have so much to learn. So what's really fun for me is yeah, I've got ideas. Yeah, I've got opinions. But now I feel like I can share those, sure. But now I'm in this position where I can learn so much that I feel like I've always wanted to learn. And now I can kind of just ask those questions and feel good about it. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, let's talk about Instagram. I talked about it a little bit. You know, it wasn't when I was coming up in the world. And obviously, it wasn't anybody, anything anybody talked about. And then it was something gradual. And then all of a sudden, it feels like a switch went off. And it's all about like, they have a, you know, 20 million followers, they've got this Vin Diesel has a billion followers, and all that stuff. What kind of hi Vin, you've got I just gave you a billion followers. I hope you're happy about that. Um, How? How does that affect your, like, what you put on your Instagram? How do you maintain an authenticity? Because I really do find that your Instagram is very authentic. I don't feel like I'm looking at a million filters to get to Joey. I feel like, oh, that's Joey. Uh, How do you navigate that? And what kind of responsibility is that about what, like you said, you're learning and you want to express stuff that you've learned and you're so young and you're so successful and you're, you know, so many people look up to you. Um, for the right reasons. Like how, how does that 
how do you navigate your own narrative? I guess that's, that plays that out. Is the that. hardest thing to, to figure out. Like if you had asked me this question, which many people did when I was like 16, 17, I'd be like, Oh, it's easy. I don't, I don't really think about what I post. And I just like, I'm just me. And I post whatever like feels right. That's true. But like Instagram has flipped a switch, like you said, and it is such a dominating thing in our world now. My answer is so much more complicated <laughs> because I don't feel uh, confident in that field. I don't feel like, oh yeah, all I do is put out me and it feels great and I control my narrative. And I really wish that's how I felt. And some days I definitely feel like that. And I'm, those are my favorite days. But a lot of days, my, my ability to let go of the control that I can't control my own narrative really like, it's really painful. You know, there was a, there was a period of time, a couple, like maybe less, a little less than a year ago where like all of a sudden my name was trending on Twitter because it was like very trendy to just say that I was like super ugly. Like I don't know. And I was like, what is happening? Like, how did this become like so mean all of a sudden? And then you know, the next day I'm like, oh, screw it. Like, I feel great. Like, you know, whatever they say about me, I don't care. And then, you know, the next day it's a different feeling. So, but one thing that I've like maintained is no matter what something online makes me feel like, I do want to try very hard, which sounds like an ox, like not an oxymoron, but sounds like a silly thing to say when you're talking about authenticity is trying to be authentic. But I want to try very hard to not think about being authentic. I just want to be myself on my Instagram I just want to show like who I am because the best chance I have at controlling that narrative is just, is just giving exactly what I am. And like mm-hmm. people can take that and run with it. They can create whatever story they want. They can say that they hate me. They can say they love me, but at least I know like I'm, I'm just being me. And it's, it sounds like a convoluted all over the place answer because that's the thought process in my head every day about it. It's mm-hmm. so like, it is a lot of responsibility. And I have a lot of like lovely young women following me who go through a lot of the same things I do. And so that's why like when we do interviews like this, I don't want to be like, oh, my Instagram, like I'm, I'm just, I'm just being me. Cause I know that young girls, whether they have the amount of followers that I have or, or a lot less or a lot more, like every, everything's tough. Like your, your body image, you know, you see a girl with amazing eyebrows. You just accidentally plucked all of yours off. Like it's such a comparative world. And so I'm happy to be able to say it stresses me out because I know it stresses a lot of people out. Yeah. It's kind of interesting what we've all experienced uh, with the Olympics and, and as, as a country going through what Simone Biles went through. And we understand, I just love when she was like, I'm a human, like what you see, there's a lot of other things going on behind what you see that's happening with me. And I love, I love that. And I think we really have in terms of mental health and, and I have teenagers, so I'm, I'm living through that stuff on Instagram and, and the FOMO and we're all coming out of this kind of lockdown and we're all going back in lockdown. We're all in this, like, what are we right now? And there is so much FOMO that I even find myself having FOMO. Why am I not on a beach right now? (laughs) You know, (laughs) it doesn't matter. We all always, no matter what age you are, it's interesting how you process that stuff. And it does, it does affect you and how, you know, just to keep yourself in check. It's interesting. I, I, I do think 
Joey, it happens to all of us. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, like, and I know it does. That's why, like, I feel, I don't feel any, like, shame or, like, regret in saying that it's not easy for me because it's, it'd be honestly kind of weird if it was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the, one of the, the theme of the season of, that I'm asking everybody about is fear and what our relationship is to fear. Uh, especially like I just said a second ago, you know, being in lockdown, the fear of the virus, the fear of the variants, the fear of our world collapsing, you know, my kids fear of never being able to go back to school again. Um, and obviously I feel like fear plays an intricate, has an intricate, in complicated relationships with actors, because a lot of times you go towards what you fear, right? That's what makes you, that's what challenges you. Uh, but I'd love for you to talk about it because I also thought, and for our listeners, Joey wrote it a great first person essay about being in lockdown for InStyle. And I thought that was really good and brave of you. I, I we will just commend you on that. I know it was like over a year ago, right? Thank it was kind you. of at the beginning, but I thought that was uh, very honest and we really got a glimpse into you and it was very unifying (laughs) (laughs) because we were all feeling we were feeling those emotions and for you to articulate it but can you talk about how how is uh your relationship with fear these days oh boy you know i i like uh for example like i had a, a really good day on set today i uh I felt like really good about what I gave. I felt like I gave it my all. And then like I watched some of the playback on the monitor and I was like, oh, that looked really good. Like I'm very proud of myself today. Um, so today was, was a low fear day. And like, that was great. But um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, this specific year in general. I mean, what goes without saying is brought up a lot of stuff for everyone. I, I started therapy this year, this past year. Um, in 2020 and I'd never done therapy before and I think it's amazing but I clearly was kind of uh fearing it for some reason and I didn't know why and I started and I was like okay like I see why I feared it but I'm really happy I did this and then I just kind of throughout the year had little moments where I was confronting different things that I think I was scared of and um whatever it may be something that like you can't even put a word to you don't really know how to describe it um, but I think the biggest fear of mine this, this past year was just like the weird self-doubt that has bubbled up every now and then. Um, and like, I'm able to like say out loud why I shouldn't be self-doubting, why, why I'm grateful for the things that I have and why I like feel like, you know, self-doubt is only getting in my way and I have to separate myself from that thought. But you know, it's really, really tough. So my relationship with fear is, uh, it's kind of just, you got to let it happen sometimes. It's, you can't always be the superhero for yourself and try to, you know, my whole thing is try to separate yourself from your thoughts. Just see them as what they are and just try to let them pass by, try to let them go. And that works sometimes. The meditation helps so much and finding a really lovely playlist helps so much, but there's, you just, sometimes you just have to feel the fear and it sucks, but you you gotta you gotta let it pass through you and not just pass by you every now and then. Mm-hmm. Do you still get the nerves like before they roll action? Do you do you still have those butterflies at all? Uh, in an action movie, absolutely. Because <laughs> if I do something wrong, someone could get very hurt, whether it be me or someone else. Um, 
but I guess, you know, I do, but it depends on the scene. Um, I get those, I get those nerves before like a really big emotional scene, or I get those nerves before a very big action scene. Um, but a lot of the time, one of my favorite things about what I do is like, it's, there's nothing like truly that feels like that feeling for me between like action and cut. Like I'm so zeroed in and I'm so focused. Like I'm thinking about nothing else. It is honestly amazing. It's an amazing therapeutic feeling. Um, so I get like a big calm that washes over me a lot of the time before I, I do scenes and before I, I, I shoot. Um, and that's a really good feeling. Mm-hmm. I would say that's probably because you're prepared. Okay. So I have, yeah. <laughs> you come prepared. So your body knows it's like, it, you know what you have to do. It knows what's okay. coming. <laughs> it knows what's coming. All right. I have one more question, but before I get to my last question, which is what I always ask everybody that comes on the podcast, I need you to true or false. Are you in a film with Brad Pitt? True. Mm. Okay. So, I need to hear a little bit about this bullet okay. train. Obviously, it's not a secret, but it, it talk about action. What was that like working with Brad Pitt and let's say Sandy Bullock? I mean, these are the titans of my generation. You understand? Like, yeah, um, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's relevancy amazes me at how he is just the titan of kind of all generations. <laughs> like everyone loves Brad Pitt. Um, it was a literal dream come true like I, I I say this a lot like bullet train feels like one of those crazy things you only can dream about doing as an actor like I when I was you know younger whatever I saw a movie like bullet train and I was like wow a Hollywood picture like that's what it feels like when you think of Hollywood you think of Brad Pitt you think of filming in Los Angeles you think of action movie you think of like just like just all these big big things and the amazing cast that we had and David Leach as a director. That's what a Hollywood, like amazing movie to me seems like if I wasn't in Hollywood and I am in Hollywood. It still seems like that. Um, but the best part was, is when I was on set of that movie filming it, it truly was like, you don't, you don't get that very often. You don't get that feeling of being giddy like that about what a movie is and then being on set and, feeling that same giddiness because everyone's so lovely to work with and you love your character and you're like having a really good time with the cast and the crew. And so it was just, I can't believe it actually happened. That's how good it was. That's like so exciting. I can't wait to see it. Um, All right. So over, like if we're doing Vegas odds, what do you think we'll get a kissing booth reunion in like 10 years? I got to say, so saying goodbye to this character is like, it's like, it's really hard because as much as I'm excited because we did the final chapter and everyone gets to see it and we put so much work into it. It's like, wow, this character was such a huge part of my life. It really changed my life. And so putting that to bed is like very heartbreaking. So my heart is like, Oh, maybe I'll visit Elevens again one day. Maybe I will. But Number three is wrapped up in, personally, my opinion, such a great bow that I don't know if it needs to be revisited. But I don't want to ever say never because, like I said, I don't set goals for myself that far in advance. So if something happens in 10 years where they're like, you want to play Elevens again? Maybe I'll be like, sure, why not? (laughs) It is 
it is a really great trilogy. It does wrap up in the most perfect way. It is the most perfect present and the most perfect presentation of a bow and, and whatnot. Thank and you. I agree. So, I agree. Congrats on that. All right. So the last question I ask, and I ask this of everybody because I think the answers are always so different, but what is your advice for people that are maybe stuck uh, in a creative endeavor, whether that's they're a writer, they want to be an actor, they're a musician, they got furloughed, they, you know, something happened in their life that's unexpected, or they feel like they haven't been getting the breaks that they wanted. What is the advice that you have uh, for where people should put their energies and, and, you know, especially in this, in this big umbrella of Hollywood, you know, I think what you said earlier about it reminds me of like what, my instinct of an answer is about Simone Biles and how amazing of a lesson she taught America um, is that when you're stuck in these ruts or you're feeling like down, or like you said, all those, all those examples, the hardest thing to remind yourself of, especially when you're feeling down is that you are so much more than just your accomplishments. Like you're a person who has so many people who love them and so many other things that make you who you are besides your accomplishments in your career or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Um, and so that alleviates a lot of the pressure. You know, when you alleviate your pressure is when I feel like you're able to let your creative juices flowing, get, get, get your creative juices flowing. Like I said, when I was a kid, my family never made it feel like, like my mom was never like, you have to get this job. Like, no, never. She was like, if you don't get it, whatever. If you do, amazing. And so I went in those audition rooms. I went in those big meetings as a youngster feeling like I didn't have the weight of the world on my shoulders so I could be myself. And I didn't feel scared about that. When you alleviate the weight of the world on your own shoulders and just try to remind yourself that it's not do or die, then I feel like it opens up your brain's activity a little bit more to allow the creativity to come in. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Uh, oh, I lied a little bit. I have one last question. Did Great. You keep, I'm so excited. Okay. Did you keep like at least the kilt or something from Kissing Booth? I mean, did you get any kind of like keepsake? Did you take the tie, the motorcycle helmet? I mean, anything? I stole a bunch of clothes. I love okay. Elle's clothes. <laughs> like I have these pair of shorts. They're with me here. I've never had, no shorts have ever fit me better. And they're like kind of like fraying now. And I've kind of overworn them. But I will never get rid of them because not only are they L shorts, but they make my butt look so good. So that's my one of my favorite things I've kept from the Kissing Booth movies. <laughs> good for you. Uh, Joey, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting <laughs> with you, me Krista. and making time in the middle of your shooting schedule and whatnot. I really appreciate this it. This was so fun. And congratulations on the Kissing Booth. Thank you. I'm so excited. Thank you so much. It was so fun, Krista, talking to you. All right. Till the next time. Thanks so much for joining me. The Kissing Booth, all three of them, are streaming now on Netflix. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you've been listening. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. Join me next time for more meaningful conversations here at Present Company.